Hey guys, welcome to the SKS podcast where working actors talk. Each episode, we sit down with different industry professionals who share their experiences, provide advice, and just talk about issues that are relevant today. This week, we have an illuminating chat with New York Times best-selling audiobook actor Elizabeth Nolden. Listen as this multi-talented actress, singer, and director opens our eyes to the wonderful world of voice narration, an industry untouched by the COVID pandemic or the current double strikes. Find out how to break into this creative market, learn all the ins and outs, and gain a ton of tips and tricks along the way. Let's jump right in with Colleen Foy and Elizabeth Nolden. Hey team, just a quick disclaimer before we jump into the episode. This was recorded during a record heat wave here in Los Angeles, so there will be a tiny bit of AC noise throughout the episode. We totally understand the irony given that this is an episode dedicated to voice acting and the technical aspects of it, but as they say, the show must go on. Hi everyone, I'm so, so glad that you all are here. Um, Elizabeth is part of the SKS community. Um, she's so amazing at what she does and it really feels so special to have her here imparting her wisdom um and I'm, I'm just ever so so grateful um I'd love to share a little bit about Elizabeth before we jump right in uh so Elizabeth she's actress singer director um is there anything you can't do? We'll ask that later. But Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth comes from British theater and film. She's performed two New York Times bestselling audiobooks, Truth and Lies, and The Sanatorium. She's the voice of Cruella DeVille for Disney's audio project, for which she received an American Voice Award nomination. She stars alongside James McAvoy and Riz Ahmed in Sandman 3 with Neil Gaiman and Dirk Maggs. She is a multi-Audi Award and Audiophile Earphones Award-winning voiceover artist for solo and mixed cast work. Voice clients include DC, Warner Brothers, Marvel, Disney, HBO, BBC, ABC, NBC, Netflix, and major book publishers. She works as a voice artist for both studio and independent films. She does ADR, looping, video games, promos, audiobooks, audio drama, animation, and a variety of other mediums. Elizabeth trained in London at the Weber Douglas Academy and has worked with the Old Vic, the Theatre Royal Haymart, as well as numerous theatres in Los Angeles. Welcome, Elizabeth. Well, hi. Well, thanks for that introduction. Look at how much time we've got left. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we only have about two minutes, guys. Um, you have such an impressive uh, bio. Um, can we just start uh, with how and when you decided to move to Los Angeles? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I, hello, everyone. <laughs> um, I basically did the classic English route. You go to drama school, right? That was just what you did in England. And um, so you audition, you hope to get in, you thankfully get in, and then you're there for like three years. Um, <laughs> the same as kind of like the equivalent to like Juilliard in New York. There for three years, I think Juilliard is maybe four years. Um, and then that's the plan. And then you're kind of, you're trained because it's intense for three years and you're ready to go. And you've got all these aspirations of going straight into the Royal Shakespeare Company or going to do this movie or whatever it might be. Um, and then what happened to me is kind of what happens to, unfortunately, most people who go to drama school in the UK, which is that you're trained and you're ready to go. And there is no work like mm. and it's just tumbleweed. And unless you kind of are fortunate and sign with like the tippity top couple of agents in the UK, um, 
it's just so hard to even get in the room to audition. And then if a year goes by, then the next load of graduates are coming out and they're the new fresh things. So you can kind of get a little bit lost in the mix. Um, but I was working, I was working in theatre, which was wonderful. Um, but there was kind of a big gap between you do a job and then you'd have months, 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 theatre job, months, 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 months. Mm. So, um, and so I'd be trying to get in and audition for, for TV. And there was kind of, and this wasn't just me, it was kind of everyone around that, around that time was, if you're coming from theatre, um, if you don't have any TV credits, it's really hard to get in the room to audition for TV. Mm. And um, kind of most people were finding that. And, you know, this went on for a while. <laughs> I was like, this isn't right. There's, you know, I've, I know that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I know it's what I'm here to do. Um, so I have to find another way to break this through. So I was like, what other path? Is there another route? How can I think of things differently? And I remembered when I was 15 and I decided, or actually more realized that I was an actor when I was 15. At that point, I was like, do I want to be a vet? I really love animals, but I'm not very good at science. It probably won't work out. Um, <laughs> um, or I really love acting, do I, you know? And um, I just woke up one morning and went, it was like a download, you know? And I was wow. like, oh yeah, I'm an actor. Oh, okay, yeah, that actually, that feels right. That makes sense. Um, but I'd kind of forgotten um, at that point, I'd always thought, well, I'm going to go to drama, like, this is like when I'm 12, I've been thinking about this journey, you know, mm. I'm like, well, I'll, you know, go to drama school, or I might not go to drama school, I might just, you know, wing it and see what happens and just go for it. But I'll be in America at some point. And me as a young person, just, it wasn't like, a, oh, I'm going to go on this grand adventure, or it was just like, I know the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to be in America at some point. I just knew it. It was, it was kind of weird. But I'd forgotten it going through the whole drama school kind of process of what you, in inverted commas, should do. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, and then I was like, okay, I started to think back, and I remembered that that had been my kind of knowing all along, and I'd just forgotten it. So I, um, uh, I went and joined like a networking week in Los Angeles that you could do. It's all internationals from all over the all over the world came together for like a week, and we met casting directors and directors and producers. And and in that one week, I think I did more for my career than I'd done in the previous like four years. And oh, I was wow. like, wow! I just I saw the industry. I was like, oh, this is a business. Oh, I see it now. I okay, I get it. And I just felt that I'd made so much headway. I was excited again. I just felt really, you know, just kind of everything was firing in the right way. Um, so I made the decision that I was gonna move to LA. I got information about how to get a visa. I got a lawyer and about six months later, I had my visa and I was living in LA. Cause I knew I'd been out here and I'd, I'd actually seen it. You know, people talk about have a vision in your mind of where you want to be and, you know, and manifest it or bring it to you or take the actionable steps. So I had it very clear. I had the photos up on my wall that I, what I wanted to get back to. So, yeah, so that's how I <laughs> got to L.A. And how did you come to SKS? Oh, so about a few years before um, the dreaded 2020 hit. Yeah. Um, 
I was with a friend at lunch and I was saying to her, I'm just feeling like I don't really have enough community in Los Angeles and I want somewhere that I can go regularly, you know. Um, when I'd first come to LA, I'd kind of audited some classes, but because I'd done all my training in the UK, it I was only auditing it because people were like, why aren't you in class? You're in Los Angeles. Everyone's in class in Los Angeles. So I kind of was feeling that pressure. So I thought, okay, I'll go, you know, I, I, why not? Let's have a look. Um, and everything that I audited was so disturbing to me that people were taking money from people who, you know, thank God I'd, I'd been through my training and I knew better, but there were people who didn't. And there was just this room, this sea of people who had these dreams and someone up front taking money from them, giving them really bad advice about how to approach a script, about acting in general. And so my experience from that was quite bad. And it's like my association then became quite bad with classes, but I was with um, one of my best friends at lunch and she said, I think I might have somewhere that you might like. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was like, yeah, I think you'd like them. Go and check them out, you know. So I did. And I knew within that uh, that short session. Wow. Because I was, but what was happening was I was auditioning and I was getting down to the last couple and I wasn't booking. Or I'd get pinned and I wouldn't book. And I wasn't in a position where I was getting loads and loads of auditions, but it's just a few. And so when they were coming through, I really wanted to make sure that I booked them. Um, so I really wanted to figure out what was happening. And as soon as I was in with Stan, I was like, I know what's happening <laughs> straight away. Wow. <laughs> Can you clue me in? Like, what is it? And, um, and he was, so I did this scene that I'd been asked to prepare, you know, and he was like, the acting's great, that's not the thing. If you did what you just did now in an audition, you would be on, like you'd be in the mix. But they would say, I love her, I really like her. I just don't know if she's right for this show. Mm. Because there were certain things as we come across the SKS, there's certain things in the just the formulation of a script that if you don't do them, or if you do do them, it makes it much easier for them to visualize you and see you on screen in their specific show. Mm -hmm. And he said, I know what's happening. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like, thank you. It was like the heavens opened, it's ah, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then I, um, you know, stayed for as, for as long as I could. Alex on Thursday night. Oh. Yeah, it means. It means a lot that you've had such excellent training and you still found a lot of value in what we do. That means a whole heck of a lot. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's invaluable. It really is. I think so. I teach it, but I use the technique that we teach in every audition, every time I'm on set. So how did you even get started in the world of voice artistry? Voice artistry. Sounds, when you say it like that, it sounds magical. So at drama school, you know, we're trained in voice, um, you know, we're trained in how to move our body and embodying characters and for the theatre, vocal projection and articulation and all that kind of stuff. But one of the classes we also had was specifically for if you were going to narrate audiobooks. Um, so I had that kind of foundation in how to use my voice, how to manipulate it, um, how to not sound boring <laughs> as they would say to me Elizabeth it's a little bit one note at the, that, was the, that was my regular note at the beginning when I first started to do it <laughs> it's lovely I can tell you really care about what you're talking about but it's a little one note and I'm probably <laughs> off. I was like what 
Um, <laughs> so we thankfully did the classes and learned how to do that. So I had that foundation. Um, and then I did a couple of radio plays in the UK. And then I moved to Los Angeles. And again, it's very random. But my old drama teacher, who is American, had uh, when I was like 15 to 17, I did like a weekend kind of acting club. And um, him, amazing actor, William DeFries, and he, uh, in a kind of in the meantime, when I went to drama school, moved back to America. So um, he was like, oh, we're doing this big audio drama. I've got some roles for you if you want it. We just come over to Maine. You're in America now. I was like, great. So I got to go over and hang with my best friend, as it were, and um, my kind of Robin Williams, you know, mentor figure. And we just kept doing audio drama. So there's a whole group of us in Maine, in a studio doing crazy things and voices and running around in a circle or just randomly. He's like, we need a Russian, where's Liz? And I was like, I've not done Russian before. And he's like, we just need you to do it, just do it. You know, it's like, don't think, just do it. You know, it's like, oh, it's fine. Um, so that was kind of a baptism of fire, but I was in the right loving environment. You know, everyone was great there. So that happened for like a good couple of years. And then, on the other side of it, I had some demo reels that I put together in the UK. So I contacted voice agents here in Los Angeles. Um, and then I got signed, which was great. So then I was getting auditioned for video games, commercials, animation, you know, anything else on the list, as it were. Um, and then audio books. Um, I was doing a play uh, over here and someone said, do you do audio books? I said, um, well, I've done radio drama or audio dramas, but I haven't really pursued it, you know? And they said, oh, I know a company that's looking for some British voices at the moment, you should get in touch. So I got in touch and then became on their list of actors to use. And that was kind of the first step in really. Um, so no one route, it was lots of different little tangents that kind of had like little road marks, like go over this way. <laughs> and then once you did your first, your first audio book, did you go in somewhere to record it? So um, I'd never done one before. So it was really just kind of like relying on the training that I had from the UK. And when you think about doing a whole book, sometimes it can be like, oh my gosh, it's a bit daunting, you know. But if you just focus on this chapter and what's happening in this chapter, and then you do the next one, and then you do the next one, after a couple of days, you finished. And you're like, oh my gosh, we put this whole thing together, you know. Um, so yeah, so when I was starting out, I would go into a studio that was provided for me. So you'd have, you have the publisher and then you, at the publishers, you have lots of different producers and they all have their own, you know, an X amount per month of books that they need to do. And yeah, so there's all these publishers, all of which have all of these producers and they're looking for talent and people who can tell a story really well. At that point, I didn't have my own studio. I do now. I have one at home, um, which has, I mean, COVID changed everything to the point where you really do. If you're going to do it, you need to find some kind of space. Um, but we can talk about that. But it's not that difficult. I mean, I know people who do it in their wardrobe and they just have their coats around them and it, it works. Um, and yes, yeah, so you go into the studio. It would take, at that point, you would have an engineer. So you just focus on just the performance. If you make a mistake, you just stop and they take you back and you hear the like, like the last three seconds of what you did. And then you just carry on as if you hadn't made a mistake. And that's pretty much it. You're just telling a story. Um, the main thing about it is the prep, 
obviously you read the book ahead of time you're making your notes in the margins about this character and that character and what voice and what feels truthful and um you know all of those fun little bits and pieces and like you know the arc what's happening in this chapter and what do i need to highlight what do i need to keep from the audience if it's a thriller and we find out that the baddie is the baddie right at the end we can't give it away so they've got to be really nice at the beginning you know so we just kind of like making sure that we're doing justice to what this author or authoress has poured their life into um but i mean <laughs> i love audiobooks they are i never ever thought that I would really get into them that much when I was starting out. I thought I would do them, but I didn't really appreciate until I did my first one, how much joy I got from it. Because there's no one telling me, we don't think you look quite right for that part. You're hired on your talent and your ability to tell a story, period. And then you've got what, 10 to 12 different genres that you can work within. You're playing all of the roles. So I'm not gonna, you know, be cast of automatically tomorrow as a 70 year old pub landlord from the West Country with four teeth. Hopefully not, you never know. Um, but I can play him and I get such great joy from playing all of these characters, you know, and you are, um, some people call it, you know, reading, you're reading the book. You're re what you're really doing is you're actually building a world Mm. for people to have an immersive experience so if I'm doing a thriller I want to freak people out so much that they have to listen to it with the light on that's always my goal if there's like a creak if, if it says that there's someone's you know opening the door really slowly I want to take that pause and keep that energy so that I can feel almost like the heartbeat of the person that I'm telling the story to and really freak them out um <laughs> And like, but I see it as a movie in my mind, you know, so you really, for anyone who loves playing character, for anyone, you know, who's a, an actor, loves storytelling, anyone who's interested in directing, you are directing this entire thing. And, you know, what you say goes, basically, you'd have an engineer to tell you if you make a mistake, like if you've inverted some words or flubbed a line, which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but it's you going, okay, this is the book. Um, this was my first experience when I read the book. So that is what I'm gonna replicate when I read it. So that somebody else has the same experience that I had truthfully the first time that I read it. It's wonderful. Also, something that I wanted to mention for everyone is that it's in the audio books, audio drama, video games, um, voiceover for commercial none of it's affected by the strike. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for another avenue, um, I guess the thing is like in COVID as well, we all know that the industry completely shut down apart from audiobooks. It just kept going. And if you had a studio in your home, which I didn't have before COVID and I very quickly had when COVID started, um, and I can tell you more information about that. It was not expensive or difficult to set up. Um, I was fortunate because I already had been doing it for several years. So I had those relationships with the lovely producers who was like, we're here, we have work for you, but you know, because of, because of the pandemic, no one's going into a physical studio. So if you can do it at home, we can give you the work. It's not really affected by anything else that's going on, thankfully. Um, 
And also I think with this industry, there are enough challenges that we overcome so regularly. It doesn't have to be that hard. Like there's enough going on that we have to look at and kind of reanalyze and and pivot, right? Um, that finances, if there's a way to still be creative and still tell a story and have a form of consistent income, it's a little security blanket. It's a safety net. It doesn't mean that you have to do it all the time. You could do one every couple of months and that's you know a couple of grand that's coming in i mean i know people who are doing it full time which is too much for me um but they're earning six figures a year wow especially being so i'm british so there's less books in america with a british heroine so but as an american in america with a natural beautiful american voice there's so much work they need really good people. And there are people who are doing it have got half the experience that all of you lovely SKS people do. So if it's something that you're interested in, I really wanted to let you know that it isn't a closed door. It's very open. The community is it's such a lovely community. Um, there's no competition because you naturally all just sound different. We have different DNA with our voice box, you know? And again, it doesn't matter what we look like. Um, and also to, you know, we're all different. For me to create a story. I mean, I just remember when I was young and I was read to, you know, if I was, well, okay, one more chapter before bed, you know. And I would be the one saying, you know, you did that voice differently last night. <laughs> like, you know, um, I don't believe your performance, mother. Um, <laughs> she was very- Your mom and dad, I have no. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I have a few notes. Um, no, they were wonderful. But I remember being like the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. I remember having that read to me as a child. And especially, you know, one of the genres is children's books. You can do children's books on middle school or young adult, and then you get into adult books. Um, but the opportunity to tell a story from the first word to the final word and to create something beautiful or magical or moving or hilarious or action-packed or whatever it is, you, you're having that experience for yourself as an actor, but also you're getting to reach a whole different demographic of people who really, really love audiobooks and listen to them. And it's just some escapism for them. I mean, I, I, I've had people, it's been very moving. I've had people reach out to me who've been going through chemo. And they said, I couldn't, I didn't want to read. I didn't want to focus my eyes on a page, but I needed, you know, a movie was too much. I just wanted to close my eyes and just be taken away somewhere. And, and being told a story, being read a story um, was something that helped them get through it. So, and then there's, other things where you've done a big comedy and then people are saying oh well our family are laughing together on our little drive down to the, the coast at the weekend you know it's, it's it's really lovely Elizabeth it sounds so dreamy the fact that you were earning during um the COVID shutdown the fact that you're earning now while SAG is on strike um both of those that is very attractive to me and also I love I love the environment that you've actually created for us, which is people listening to your audiobooks, and it helps them through a spot of life, whether it's through comedy or uh, drama. 
So if, if someone were after this call, like, Ooh, I really want to, I want to try this. Do I need to get an agent? Do I need to have a demo reel? For audiobooks, you do not need an agent. For everything else, voice related, you do need an agent. So audio drama, where there's a big, which is different, which is like a big group of you. <clears throat> you've all got one role pretty much that you're playing. Um, it's big sound effects and music. It's a whole big production. If you're seeing um, big billboards in LA, from Audible, they're normally from an audio drama where you've got some like, celebrities and big cast members all come together and they've created a big production. So that's audio drama. Nine times out of 10, you need an agent for that. Um, and getting an agent, you know, it's the same as getting a theatrical agent. What do you want to do? Make a demo reel for it. If you really, if you've got loads of voices and you're really good at animation, put together an animation reel. Um, same for video games or commercials or, you know, whatever it might be. If you're interested in audio drama, um, let your agent, and you already have a voice agent, let them know that you are really interested in it and that you, you know, maybe things are coming through, but you weren't really expressing an interest in it. So maybe you're not getting put up for as much as you could be. Um, and also, but there are amazing people creating um, audio drama, like John Carpenter put together one a few years back. And you've got incredible, like I was very fortunate to do Sandman with Neil Gaiman. And that, Sandman's now a TV show. And, you know, there's everything is connected. So it's not a surefire guarantee of anything, but it is another door that's a possibility in terms of relationships and, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and so for audio books, you don't need an agent. So what I would recommend is, yes, you need a demo reel. Um, go, you know, find books that you love, nothing that's too famous because they will remember who actually did it. You don't want to kind of line yourself up with that person. So um, find books that, you know, maybe if you really love Stephen King, maybe you don't read The Shining, but maybe there's a little novella that he did that most people don't know about or something like that. Um, and really think about what your voice is suited to. Um, some people have, you know, very animated, brilliant for fantasy, brilliant for a comedy mystery, um, also, or something magical, um, or maybe you've got a lower, huskier voice, and maybe you might do some thrillers or horror or romance or, you know, lots of options. Um, so you want to think about what you're naturally suited to, lead with your natural voice. I would say to put together, you know, four or five samples. You want to ideally get about five minutes um, so that anyone can hear that you can maintain that skill level of storytelling long form because anyone can be good for 30 seconds. And then um, what you can do is take like 20 to 30 seconds of your like top four and smush them together into like a, you know, sort of a speed reel as it were. So you've got the option of showing them long form, you can do this longer format if they ask for it, but also you can send them a reel that has say four samples, 20 seconds to 30 seconds that show your skill sets. And you want to cover things like making sure that you can, that one of your pieces is very descriptive. So if you're doing a classic literature, it might be that you're describing the setting or the scenery or something like that. Um, you want to make sure that you have people talking in conversation um, so they hear that you can do it. Um, ideally, you know, male to male, male to female, um, female to female. Um, if you're good at accents, 
throw them in because it will help you a lot. Um, and you also want to look at third person uh, and first person. So if you have a book as first person where it's more like a diary entry, I was doing this, this is what I experienced when I turned the page or whatever. Um, again, those are things that, you know, I mean, that's kind of like the, the very loose <laughs> version of it. But really it's about what you're passionate about. And I mean, I always believe with any skill set, there is a period of tweaking the craft that you would normally use, let's say for theater or for screen to make sure that it's coming through in your voice. Um, a lot of times people are like, but I was really feeling it. I was like, I know I could tell, but I didn't hear it in your voice. And that's all we've got is the voice. And it's, it's not complicated, but you need to know how to make sure that your voice is doing what your emotions are doing to express in that way. Um, it's also very helpful to slow down. Most people naturally speak quite quickly. I mean, I speak quite quickly. I don't speak like this. When, <laughs> I don't speak like this when I'm doing any kind of audio project because you, you know you just wouldn't understand what I was talking about, or you'd zone out after a few. You'd just like, oh, it's just like that noise. Right. Um, but you want to slow down. A lot of upward inflections, so that you can actually pay attention to what I'm really talking about. So you're giving yourself as an actor time to breathe so that you're not rushing through it. And you're also giving the audience time to hear what you've said, let it go, uh, so it goes in the ear, let them put a little picture in their mind of it, digest it, and then the next sentence is coming in. Mm. So naturally, and it feels a bit weird at the beginning. It feels a bit like walking through treacle. And then after a while you're like, oh, so I can just relax and tell this story because the mic's right here. Mm. And that's the distance between you and your audience. So if you if you think of one person that you're telling the story to, I always think if it's a comedy, I always think of my best friend, Alex, always. I'm just telling her the story. So I know her sense of humor, obviously we have the same sense of humor. So I, if I make myself laugh, I believe that I'm making her laugh and therefore hopefully other people as well, you know. Um, you want to ask, you know, who is the narrator in the story? It's not, we're not just reading description. Someone is telling the story. Um, so I always like to think, well, who is are they an observer? Is it someone else in the family that doesn't actually have a speaking role, but they're giving you the information? Like, who who is the narrator in this situation? And then I would lean on the fact of your um, acting experience. Even if you haven't done an audio book before, you know, I'm a professional actor. Big tick, you know, I'm a professional actor. I've done this, this, and this. I'm really passionate about audio books. Um, here are my samples. I'm available, da, 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 whatever your dates mm -hmm. are. Um, and reach out to, to companies and um, kind of take it from there and, you know, reassess and get the ball rolling. Oh, I see. So um, if you're not doing it through, if you're doing an audio book and it doesn't, it's not through an agent, you would still mm -hmm. want to create that sort of uh, demo, best of, to reach out to publishers. Yes, so you would reach out to producers, producers, audiobook producers at publishing houses. Yeah. Whoa, I didn't yeah, know that. There's a whole other world. That's out awesome. There. That's so awesome. <laughs> and then let's say you do like the stars align and they're like, great, we love this book for you. Do you yeah. have to sort of audition for that? And since COVID times has uh, allowed uh, them to record remotely, would you have to set up a booth in your place? So um, 
if someone's offered you a job, they've offered you a job. Sometimes they'll offer you a job just off of your reel, which is great. If they haven't worked with you before, they will most probably ask you to audition and they will most probably have you audition for a multicast audio book where normally it's you doing the whole thing, but sometimes they'll have someone, uh, they'll have a, a man reading the male point of view and a female reading the female chapters. So maybe they might bring you in for, th for that because it's half of the workload or they've got somebody else that they could put you with that might be a good mix. Um, and then in terms of auditioning, this is just across the board. You need a space, any space that is quiet and consistently quiet. Um, to audition, but let me give you an idea of that. Before COVID, I didn't have my own home studio. I was in my like cupboard, I know closet over here, isn't it? Closet, I was in my, I was in my cupboard. <laughs> I was in my closet. I was I'm like, wow, like, you're bendy, very bendy. <laughs> I am very uh, um, <laughs> So um, yeah, so I was in the closet and I just had, you know, like, shirts like flannel shirts or winter coats around me all that kind of stuff I had my phone and I was just reading I had like the script stuck up on the wall and I had I was like I had pillows around me and I would just audition into my phone because the mic quality on these things are insane I would audition into this I would edit it on my phone and send it to my agent now I booked, I won't say what they were, obviously, because of the strike, but some major motion pictures off of doing it that way. So that's for me to say that don't worry too much about needing an expensive setup or anything like that. What you need is for it to be consistently the same quiet sound. So that if you do a project and they come back and they say, that was great, we've just got a couple of pickups, it's going to sound the same. Um, Post-COVID or during COVID, I set up my own, you know, little studio. This actually, I don't know if you can see behind me, but this <laughs> little door here is just like my living room closet, coat closet, and that's my studio. So it's a dedicated little space. It's soundproofed. I've got a professional mic. Um, I've got my interface, all the cables, little table. I record off of my MacBook Pro. Um, and that's pretty much it. It's really straightforward and simple. And then you can sit down, you've got a table in front of you, you've got your, you know, your, your laptop or your computer that you're comfortable with. And um, you just perform, do your audition that way. And if you were, let's say you've got the job and you wanted to do an audiobook, and they said, can you do it from home? Then you would get some software. I can tell everyone what the good ones are. Um, and it's very straightforward to learn how to do it. Don't be intimidated by, oh, but I'm not an engineer or anything like that. It's very straightforward. You don't have to edit it. You don't have to master it and make it sound like a final production. You just have to record it and deliver what we would call a clean recording. You, you know, don't let it stop you that you that you haven't done one before and think it's going to be so difficult because there's, there's such a volume of work for American actors, for American voices. Um, that it's, yeah, it's definitely worth a shot. And if you start now, then it's it's not gonna like dwindle. It's the most rapidly, it has been the most rapidly, uh, rapid uh, form of entertainment um, in the terms of its growth. Um, it's just, it, the numbers are insane. So it is continuing to grow and grow. I love that so much. Yeah, does anyone have any questions? You like to pop on, turn on your camera, turn on your mic. Hi, Preston. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, you. 
Hey, um, so yeah, I'm also an audiobook narrator. I've been doing it for two and a half years. And I'm curious, do you ever struggle with the balance of narrating slower for the listener to give them time to catch up and follow the story, slowing down your pace, but also trying to maintain the appropriate energy for the performance i would say for an, let's say you're doing a fantasy and you have an action sequence let's say there's a werewolf fighting a vampire at that moment you can speed up so you make sure your articulation is as clear as possible um don't go into warp speed um but you know like you've earned that car chase you know you've earned that fight sequence and you want them with you like you can see like my body's changing even as I'm talking about it so sometimes I might lean into the mic a little bit and just make sure that I'm really articulated with what I'm saying and if someone does a right hook and it was a surprise I'll take that beat and then we get back into it so you're giving people that kind of rhythm of what's happening in real time um if you're because and then if you're working in you know all of the other genres as you know every genre has its own vibe right so Yes, it's critical that you stick within the vibe. You don't want to be doing a thriller and then suddenly you're doing a children's animation halfway through. So you need to stick with that vibe, obviously, the whole way through. But pace-wise, um, I think what helps is really focusing on thought to thought. So if we're talking about, you know, a screen audition, we might talk about the beats in it, right? Um, talking about moment to moment and new thought to new thought. So for me, it really helps when um, I'm narrating at appropriate speed or appropriate pace and there's a new thought. So I'll give that new thought and then, oh, but wait, this is happening over here. And then I'll come under there. So I'm not increasing my speed, but the energy has those little shifts in it where there's a slight twist, even just in a thought process of our lead character. You know, even if it's nothing intense happening, um, even if she's trying to work out well, what happened to me last night or whatever it is, she'll be going through a list of things in her mind. But let the audience experience it as she's trying to remember and figure out what's happening. I'm I'm curious too, just uh, to add to that. Do you do you annotate your script with those moments and those changes in, in energy too? I do make annotations on the script. Um, I do a lot less now than I did at the beginning but I still make annotations for a big new thought or a new paragraph where the, where the mood shifts. I'll just do like a little, little line just to remind myself to lift the energy for a new thought. I would color code my characters. If someone was particularly evil, deliciously evil, oh, she's purple, definitely. Or if it was the best friend, I'd highlight her in yellow because she was a much more upbeat, fun, bright energy. And what that did was I knew by color what was coming. I didn't have to stop. My The flow of the performance was, you know, I was able to maintain that. <clears throat> Regarding uh, your vocal health and resting and maintaining that, because audiobooks are a marathon. They are three, four hours a day if you're working from home, probably, you know, day after day after day after day after day. When do you know to give yourself a break? Our bodies, we're not built to do long form talking consistently so we have to be careful and um right on cue colleen is taking some water so um yeah so <laughs> water 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 tea with honey cough drops all that good stuff um and really kind of like 
your physical posture when you're in there, not slouching down, because then everything gets a bit constricted. You'll put too much pressure um, around your vocal cords and, and around there. I had a thing recently where I was really worried about my vocal cords, actually. And I went to see a specialist and I was really freaking out. And thankfully, there was absolutely nothing wrong. But because I had been doing so many long sessions for so long, the muscles on either side of my neck were becoming incredibly tight and it made it feel like everything was getting constricted. So I was like, what's happening with like, my voice sounds good, but it's, it doesn't, I don't feel like I can keep going for as long as I did. So I was really worried. Um, I did the whole thing with the camera down the throat and she checked everything out and perfect health. It's just the muscles were so tight. So now what I do is I record two hours break or an hour break, another hour break. I'll come back another couple of hours later. Maybe I'll do a couple of hours. Maybe I'll do an hour that night. If I'm doing a thriller, I won't do anything for the day and I'll rest my voice. And then I might do four hours together at night because I'm on a roll and I'm feeling it's kind of creepy. Um, but I also had to make a point of saying to um, even one of my most beloved publishing houses, I can't do this book in three and a half days. I can't do 80 pages a day. Um, I'm a singer, I'm a theater actor. And you know, so I have to protect my, my throat and know that if you work on the relationships and maintain those relationships, there's no reason for you not to keep working, but you can do so at a pace that is maintainable. Beautiful. Um, amazing. Corinne, it's so good to see you. Hi, Elizabeth. I, Hi, I, I could ask a million questions because I'm also an audiobook narrator. I love and I resonate with your, I'm from Australia, so I resonate with your whole experience. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm actually, I've been attempting to do this full time and this year just got really hard. So I'm just wondering, I don't know if it's AI. There's a lot of noise out there, which I'm trying to like block out about AI affecting the industry and all the stuff. And I'm just wondering how you go about cultivating your relationships or do you just kind of let the books come? Because I know you don't, it's not your full-time thing, but do you let them kind of come to you when they come to you? Honestly, it's really interesting. <laughs> like there are some people, like I work with, for example, Penguin Random House, like they're my guys. I work with them. I've worked with them since the beginning and they're just such lovely people. And sometimes I won't hear from them for a couple of months. And then suddenly it'll be four books that will come up from different producers randomly all, you know, um, over the like the next two months or something. So um, there's ne I've never experienced a, um, the work has been consistent, but I've never experienced, oh, I'm definitely going to get a project from this one, or I'm definitely going to hear back from this person. I think, you know, there mm -hmm. is a lot going on in the industry. What I do know about AI is I can say that is, I mean, don't even get me started, right? Um, the thought of a world where things that touch human beings are, are put together by a machine as opposed to a human heart is just beyond me. But in terms of... Um, uh, protections for your voice so that your voice isn't being used to train um i actually spoke with um one of the lovely people at the audiobook division at sag after recently about it because i was concerned um because one of the main publishers that i was working with was um utilizing other post-production houses for a lot of their projects so i was like well 
are the post-production houses, what are they doing with, with the, the things? And she um, assured me that we're protected, um, that if you're doing a union contract, you are protected, um, which was great to know, <laughs> which was really great to know. And in terms of relationships, um, I always say it's wonderful if you can, and now it's easier, you know, now that COVID has kind of lifted, um, to go to the events. If you can get a FaceTime, if you're going to any of the in-person events, even if it's just like Audiophile Magazine has their, um, your little one evening get together um, and you're local in, in LA or New York or wherever, and you can go, um, go, because face-to-face time is amazing. And everyone is so lovely. I never... Even if I've reached out to someone, let's say I haven't worked with a particular producer for quite a while and I reach out to them and say, hi, I miss you. Anything going? I'm here. I've got flexibility. I would love to work with you again. I might not hear back from them for a month and it would be very easy for me to go, what what's happened like you know to go down a, that kind of spiral of thinking you know it must be something is it to do with me you know whereas the reality of it is that they're swamped and there's so much other stuff going on and mentally they've gone great she's available okay we don't have anything coming in for then but then you know six weeks down the line they're like we've had one come in lovely to hear from you the other day but it was actually two months ago you know so <laughs> I wouldn't take it personally. If you can, I would make sure that your reels and everything is up to date. Um, if you're reaching out, have a reason to reach out. If you've just done another acting project or you've got a review for something that you did. Um, and I think it's a case of contacting people consistently, but with charm. Thank you. That was amazing. Barbara Kerford, I haven't seen you in so long. It's great to see your face. I know, you too. I was like, oh my gosh, Cody. <laughs> um, do you have any tricks for like keeping track of the different characters? Like you haven't seen a character in three or four chapters and all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, how am I in the same vocal range or all of that? Yeah, I totally get it. And if you're doing, like I'm doing a book series and we're on book eight and it's a comedy and there's like 50 characters in each book and then like the butcher from book one who had three lines is now in book seven and they haven't had anything in between you're like what um so uh yeah so whenever I get whenever I'm prepping the book I mean I'm sure you probably do this anyway but when I'm prepping the book and I have a new character I just make a note of um all the characteristics so it's very rare that an author will write their voice sounded like da 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 right so sometimes they say in her oh she had a bit of a high-pitched voice or he had a seductive tone or you know you'll get things like that sometimes but a lot of the time you'll get things like um she she didn't say very much and she wore a, a jacket that was buttoned all the way up to here and that to me tells me that she's very kind of she could be introspective she could be quite snooty um she could be a bitch um or she could be just so repressed <laughs> you know so there's so many different options and then you read the book and you get more information on the character right but it's those little clues what do they wear what words are they using that reminds me okay this is now I see this person um have I met this person in real life oh yeah I remember them but I will have that sheet of whatever I've written out for the characters with me um something else that you can do 
if you're is when you're recording you pause recording and just copy a little snippet of what that character has said save it as a separate file and so you can just click on it and listen whenever you need to and if you're going into a studio nobody cares just do what you need to do own the space just say sorry i just need to reconnect with this voice listen to your sample okay i'm ready and you carry on sweet thank you so much elizabeth I cannot thank you enough. I cannot You're thank so you enough. You're so welcome. You are so welcome. It's, um, yeah, it's just nice to be in a position to actually give back a little bit and um, help our fellow actors out. So I'm here if anyone needs help or information, advice, I'm here. I'm here to help. That means so much. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye, thank everyone. You. Bye, everyone. Bye.